All right, good morning, Riverside. How are you? Good morning. Welcome to the Riverside Community Church. My name is Brian Doback. Today is Palm Sunday. Before we start, I really want to um, just show you a picture uh, of my daughter, uh, who's 17 months old. And, uh, yep, there she is um, in all her wonderfulness. And But you guys don't know her like I know her. We have a special relationship, and she's actually, in the last couple months, um, I've noticed she's starting to... Uh, like vie for power and control in the household. <laughs> yeah, like she'll go up to the dog and she really like tr- she likes to hit the dog. So I tell her not to and try to teach her to pet it and she'll like look at me while she's doing this to see what I'll do. You know, she's testing me. You know, she's vying for power and control in our household. And seriously though, it's actually not going to be long before she becomes conscious of the existence of God. Right, maybe seven, eight, nine years old, whenever that happens. And actually, not long after that, she's going to learn about the, the reality of who Jesus is. You know, maybe she'll hear dad preach, I don't know. And she's going to hear the gospel, and she's going to be confronted by the existence and, and, and who Jesus is. And that's when this, this, the, 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 the struggle for power and control is going to start to in her life, you know? Am I going to give uh, power and control to God over my life in Christ? Or am I going to take it for myself and assume authority in my life over Jesus? Every single one of us encounters that in our lives. And my daughter, no less. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen because she's human. Just like me, just like all of us. I'm calling this message Paper Kings. Paper Kings. Paper Kings, one of the main underlying themes in Scripture as you read from Old Testament to New Testament is this theme of power and control. This theme of power and control. From the moment Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they believed the lie. What was that lie? That they could be like God. Right? They believed the lie that they could be like God and assume authority over their own lives. And they made that decision on their own to go against God's law for them not to do it. So from that moment, sin came into the world, and we have been usurping the throne from God ever since. We have been assuming authority of our lives ever since then. We've been doing what is right in our own eyes, right, and searching for fulfillment and contentment and purpose and significance the best that we see how it happens. We've been establishing ruling authority over our lives and making ourselves look like kings, even though we're actually really not kings at all. But we like to make ourselves look like kings. Maybe we look like kings on paper, but we're not really kings in our lives. So I want to ask you guys, who's truly king of your life? Truly, who is king of your life? Be honest with yourself today. Are you the king of your life, or is Jesus the king of your life? We're going to dive into the Old Testament today. We're going to go way back, way back into the Old Testament. The Old Testament is God's message to the world that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And we're going to see a picture of ourselves in today's scripture. We're going to see the spiritual anatomy of a a heart, a human heart, that is desperately, desperately in need 
of a real relationship with God. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we can come together like this and worship you and talk about you. And just uh, even if it's just for one hour in a week that we can center our lives around you um, and learn about you, Lord. And you have something to tell us. Uh, you always do in scripture, Lord. And um, I, I just pray that you prepare our hearts, um, prepare our hearts uh, for, for your message today and that, and that, that we're humble. Um, we take it in humility, Lord, and, and that we're honest with ourselves, Lord. We thank you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're in 1 Kings today. 1 Kings. Is everybody familiar with 1 Kings? Everybody has read through all the Kings books, right? <laughs> Maybe not. It's okay. We're in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. 1 Kings chapters, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It's up there on the screen, and I'm going to read it here. So the scripture says this. It says, now Adoniah, I just learned the pronunciation of that word. My wife, my wife corrects me on my pronunciations of words. I was calling him Adonijah. She's like, I think it's Adoniah. And then she looked up, she looked up this like, this, uh, audio, this audio pronunciation website, and it's Adoniah. Now Adoniah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? He was also a very handsome man, and he was born next, next after Absalom. He conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abathar, the priest, and they followed Adoniah and helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shammai, and Ray. And David's mighty men were not with Adoniah. Adoniah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle by the serpent stone, which is beside Enrogel. And he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Beniah, or the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. Man, so what's happening in this scripture? Guys, this is an actual account of a real person that existed an actual person. When you read through the king's books, these aren't fake accounts of kings that didn't exist. This is a historical narrative of kings that actually happened, who lived. So it's, it's 970 B.C. It's about 970 B.C. right now. Israel has occupied the promised land for about 400 years. They've occupied the land of Canaan for about 400 years now. King David is nearing the end of his 40-year reign over, over Israel. And the heir to his throne will be his son, Solomon. It will be Solomon. So here we have an account of Adoniah. Adoniah is one of the four sons of David. He's one of the four sons of David. And what's his mission? His mission is to usurp the throne from his father as king of Israel. To usurp the throne. Man, how powerful are those words? Adoniah exalted himself. He exalted himself. And then those four words. Man, when I read this, I mean, it just like pulverized me when I read this. These four words, I will be king. I will be king. Now, Adonai, he can't make himself king. He can't make himself king, but he goes to great lengths to make himself look like a king. Does he not? He prepared for himself all of the things that a king would have. Chariots, 
horses, horsemen, 50 soldiers running with him. The scripture says he was a very handsome man, so he certainly looked apart from a worldly standpoint. The scripture says that he, was, he, was, he made sacrifices, so he was making himself look spiritual, even though he wasn't, if he was truly right with God. First of all, he wouldn't be trying to usurp the throne, right? He wouldn't be doing that if he was truly right with God. And secondly, he wouldn't even be making sacrifices if he was truly right with God because the king is not allowed to make the sacrifices. Only the priest can. So these are vain, empty attempts at spirituality and worship. Vain, empty attempts at spirituality and worship where Adoniah, he's writing his own rules. He's writing his own rules. And you know what the biggest mistake just might be? that Adoniah makes here, he only includes in his circle those who would support his mission. And he discludes those who would speak truth into his life. That would speak truth into his life. Man, Adoniah looks like a king. But he ain't the king. He's a paper king. He looks good on paper, but he's not the king. I love movies. Has everybody seen Gladiator, the movie Gladiator? Yeah, that's a, that's a man's, you know, movie. Yeah, that, that movie's awesome. I love Gladiator, starring uh, Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. And Joaquin Phoenix's character, Commodus, who is actually a real person in history, uh, Gladiator was loosely based on a true story about this guy, Commodus. Well, Commodus, he usurps the throne from his father. He usurps the throne of Rome from his father. He plays the role of emperor, but he really isn't the king, nor is he supposed to be king. He's not. And Commodus, he makes himself look like the emperor. He's got the chariots, he's got the horses, he's got the soldiers, he's got the horsemen all around him. I want you guys to watch a video from Gladiator of Commodus's entry into Rome. This is exactly what we're seeing here today in today's scripture. For you. 
And just watching that video just gives me chills. It gives me chills because it's so true. That's exactly what we're seeing here today in the scripture. Commodus is just a paper king. He's not supposed to be king, and he isn't king. But he usurps the throne to make himself king. And he makes himself look like the king. And every single one of us faces this struggle in our lives for power and control with God. Every single one of us. Me included. And so what does this mean to us today? What does this mean to us today? Those four words. I can't help but center around those four words. I will be king. You know, if we haven't come out, come right out and actually said this in our lives, every single one of us at some point in our life has thought this in our heart. I will be king. I will be king in my life. Exalting ourselves. And these four words, they're at the root of sin in the deepest recesses of our hearts. And it's often hidden. It's often subtle. This struggle for power and control in our lives. We love to create an empire in our lives and establishing our kingship over it and putting ourselves in the rightful place of God. Right? And we go to great lengths to make ourselves look like kings. Maybe we replace chariots with expensive cars. Right? Or the horsemen with servants. I don't know. I don't know what it is that we're doing. A palace with a mansion, right? Maybe we make ourselves look spiritual, just like Adonai was doing, make ourselves look spiritual, but really we're just writing the rules on what faith is and how to be in a relationship with God. Some of us, you know, some of us right now, you may be thinking about somebody else in your life that you're, you know, you're like, oh, my sister. That's my brother. That's so my brother, Right? Guys, I know this because it happened to me. When I was reading the scripture, I thought of people that I know. But God's like, I don't give you my word to learn about other people. I give you my word to learn about you. I was like, (laughs) okay, okay, okay. It's convicting. This is a message for me, just as much as it is anybody else in this room. Guys, I'm a Christian, and I'd be lying to you. I'm a pastor, and I would be lying to you if I said that there weren't moments or there weren't days when I woke up. I just want to do this on my own. God, it's hard. Just give me a day where I can just do what I want, where I don't have to be obedient to you, where I can just be king of my life just for a day. But no, a walk with Jesus is a daily walk. It's a daily grind of picking up our cross and following Jesus, not Jesus following us. Not Jesus following us. Now, don't be mistaken. It's not always so blatant. You know, you don't need expensive things and nice stuff to be king in your life. You can actually have absolutely nothing in your life and still be king. You can have nothing in your life and still be king. It's an inward issue. It's a heart issue. It's not an issue that's around us. It's in our hearts. It's in, it's in the very fabric of our souls, this, 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 this struggle for power and control in our lives. It's just a simple matter of assuming authority in our lives. It's a simple matter of just making decisions apart from God and the counsel of his word. It's, it's just a simple matter of doing what he says not to do and not doing what he says to do. That's what it's about. You know, maybe we're putting God to the side. Unless something bad happens, 
then Jesus is king in our life. That would make Jesus plan B. And if Jesus is plan B, that means we're plan A. And if we're plan A, that means we're king. If we're plan A, that means we're king. Perhaps we've given God's kingship over our lives and in one area and not the other. God, you can have my career. Just, you can have it. Whatever you want, whatever you do, you can have my career. I submit that to you. But I just can't give you my finances. I can't give you this area in my life. God wants it all. Because he knows what's best for us. Maybe we're reading scripture, but we're picking and choosing what we believe is right and, and what we believe is not right. And that makes us the authority in our lives. Maybe we're not reading scripture at all. Maybe we're not reading it at all because we think we don't need it. That makes us the authority. That makes us the authority. We need God's word. God's, God says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's this song there's a song by uh, this artist. I don't know if you've heard of her, Selena Gomez. I don't listen to her. <laughs> Trust me, I just know about this song because when I saw the song, the title just really just grabbed me. I was like, wow, that is actually so true. The song is called The Heart Wants What It Wants. Somebody in here has heard it. Yeah, I know. People are laughing. The heart wants what it wants. It's true. The heart just wants what it wants. And the heart wants power and control. The heart wants power and control in our lives. And just like Adonai and just like Commodus, nothing will stop us from attaining that power and control in our lives. Man, guys, I want to take this really deep. Can we go deeper here? A little bit surface level. I really want to cut to the heart now. I really want to, I want to confront you guys, because I have been confronted with this scripture. So I want to confront you guys, okay? Adonijah, he's got this deep desire to be king. Why? Why does he have this deep desire to be king? Where do these words, I will be king, come from? Because they're more than just words. They come from the heart. Our words come from the heart. Something is happening in our hearts when we say these words, I will be king. Something is happening in Adonai's heart when he says, I will be king. You see, God had a place for Adonai in the nation of Israel and in the world, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Adonai breaks away, and he circumvents God's plans, purposes, and intentions, and he fixes his eyes on the wrong things. Himself, himself, and his need for power and control when he should have been fixing his eyes on God and his promises. God's promises weren't just for the nation of Israel. He had promises for every single individual in the nation of Israel. God doesn't just have promises for his church. He's got promises for every single one of you. Unique, individual promises just for you. But Adonai, he circumvents it, and he goes against it, and he focuses on himself. Why? Let's take this deep. It's because his identity, his significance, and his self-worth came from a position of authority. It came from a position of authority. He assumed power and control from God to make a run at it. Because there's a deep place in his heart that believes the lie. 
What was that lie from the beginning? That he knows better than God. That he knows better than God. The same lie that Adam and Eve believed. The same lie. Adoniah, he's rebelling. And not just against the Father, but he's rebelling against God. He's really rebelling against God because it's God who puts kings on thrones. No man puts kings on thrones in in Israel. It was God who put kings on thrones. So he's rebelling against God. We're all thirsty for power and control. And we'll try to achieve it, even if it means making ourselves look like something that we're not. And we all do this in some way. Man, social media is just huge on this. I don't know if you guys heard last summer about this, this girl, Asina O'Neill. She was this Instagram model. This Instagram model, she came out, and she was saying how everything was fake. All my pictures are not natural. They're not what I was you know, telling people that they were. And she explained to people that all of her self-worth, all of her significance and contentment and fulfillment came from beauty and recognition. And she took power and control, and she sought beauty and recognition on her own terms. So yeah, that dress that I was wearing, that's actually not my dress. A company gave me that dress to wear it. They paid me for it too. And that's actually not my house. That's my agent's house because his house looks better than my house, right? Or maybe, I don't know, like that pose that I'm making there with like my arm like this and, you know, it makes my arm look thinner and maybe like I just do a leg kick out like this and then just like my bangs just, how's that? Is that good? Not natural, just all fake. It's all fake. She's a paper king. Guys, social media has become what it is because it plays to the deepest hidden desires of our heart for power and control. On social media, you can be anything that you want to be. Anything. You name it. You want to be something? You can tailor your profile. You can tailor everything, your pictures, to become this person that you're not. Power and control. You can garner millions of likes, millions of shares, millions of friends. You can make yourself feel important. You can make yourself feel significant and fulfilled on social media. Deep within her heart of Osino O'Neill was a desire for power and control, and she exerted it, and she went somewhere for significance that failed her. She came right out and said that. It failed her. Guys, before I gave my life to Christ, I was king. I was king. And my quest for significance came through career and career accomplishments. I was a paper king. But really, I was enslaved to my career, and in actuality, my career was my king. I wasn't a king at all. My, my career was my king. I was enslaved to it. But then, in 2009, I actually I got laid off from my, my dream job. I got laid off from it. The place where I was finding all of my significance and all of my fulfillment, all of my contentment, failed me. It failed me. And ironically, just months before that, I had given my life to Christ. (laughs) It's amazing how that happens. So when I did get laid off, God had already been ministering to my heart, and I could make some sense of what was happening. I was like, man, you were right. 
My heart is nasty. Guys, in our retreat from God, we're all in a search for significance, just like Adonai, and we keep going to the wrong things. Adonai goes to a position of authority. Maybe we find it in beauty, or our careers, or a position of authority like Adonai, right? Or our financial portfolio, or our relationships, right? All these places where we land arise out of our deep need for significance and self-worth. But beauty fades, money dries up, careers end, relationships are inconsistent, and they let you down. I love my wife. She lets me down sometimes. I let her down too. My significance is not in her, and it's not in our marriage. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Positions of authority are temporary. They don't last. Once it ends, then where are you going to go? You just keep bouncing from place to place to place to place, trying to get significance and fulfillment and self-worth. When we assume kingship and pursue significance our way, we become enslaved to those things, and they're our kings. We're enslaved to those. Those things become paper kings. Not only are we paper kings, the things we're going after are paper kings. The world is going to vie for your allegiance. The world and his mind were telling Adonai that he wasn't significant enough, that he wasn't important enough. So to find it, he felt like he needed to exert power and control and do what? And usurp the throne of Israel. The world says, you're not beautiful enough, so you need to do this. But God says, no, you are beautiful because I made you. You are made in the image of God. You are beautiful. The world says, you're not important. God says, you are important. I created you. You have inherent worth and value. Don't believe what the world tells you. When we return to God in Christ, who never fades, never dries up, never ends, we realize our true identity and our true fulfillment and self-worth. You see, God's laws and his ways and his statutes, they're not there to burden us. I know we think that sometimes. They're there to burden us. They're actually there to free us and to flourish us and to prosper us and to grow us and to protect us. When we align with God and Christ, it's only then do we begin to experience true joy, true happiness, true fulfillment, true contentment. And who we are in Christ. Adonai isn't experiencing true joy. When you read the scripture, does this guy sound like he's fulfilled? Does he sound like he's content? Does he sound like he's happy? No. No. He's not. And when you look at Adonai and Commodus, it's a perfect storm for disaster. If you read all of chapter 1, maybe tonight, go home and read all of chapter 1 of 1 Kings, his reign on top is short. I don't know. I think it maybe it may have been like a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, he got snuffed out just like that. His reign on top was short, and so is Commodus's. You watch the movie, his reign on top is short, and so is ours. Our reign on top is short when we're king in our lives. Guys, the king's books are an incredible historical narrative. An incredible, just incredible historical narrative of the secession of kings after David. 
And as you read through the king's books, you, you learn about their motives and their allegiances and their sins and their failures. They wanted kings, so God gave them kings. But God was always like, these kings, they're not going to give you what you want. They're not going to give you what you need. Only I will. He's always calling them to faith and trust and obedience in his word. Only I will give you fulfillment. And through all of these kings in the king's books, God is saying, that's not your king. I have a king coming. I have a king coming. And it's going to be myself. And I'm going to come and I'm going to give you everything that you want. Everything that your innermost heart desires, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you your fulfillment, your purpose, your identity, your significance, your contentment, your joy, your happiness. It's all going to be through me, not all these other things. So we saw Commodus' entry into Rome. I want you to watch this video of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. That's the king. That's the king. No chariots, no horses, no horsemen, no soldiers. He's on a donkey. No soldiers around him, beggars and poor in spirit. That's our king, humility. That's who we bow down to right there. He did everything all of those kings couldn't. All of those kings in the king's books, they either started off great and finished bad, or they started off bad and finished well. Jesus went the distance from beginning to end. Jesus' significance was in the Father. All of his self-worth was in the Father. And you saw it in his perfect faithfulness and obedience to the Father. We don't have to perform to achieve significance or to achieve a relationship with God or to achieve salvation. We'll be free from this enslavement when we understand that God accepts us on the basis of Jesus' performance and not us. Jesus' performance and not ours. It's his performance and work on the cross where we find forgiveness. We find forgiveness and we find identity. We find self-worth and significance and joy and contentment and a relationship with God. True happiness and joy does not come when we have ruling authority over our lives. It only comes when Jesus has ruling authority over our lives. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus. That's it. And rest and walk and live in that freedom and follow him. That's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this word today. God, thank you for personally impacting me. God, I'm excited about preaching, Lord, when you impact me and your word. God, I pray that you just change lives. Lord, you have a purpose for every single person in this room, Lord. Their purpose is to know you. 
Their purpose is to be in relationship with you, real personal relationship, God. But we don't find identity or fulfillment or significance or anything like that in rituals or religion or traditions. God, it's in, a, it's in a, an imperfect walk, a personal, personal relationship with you. You love us, so you want us to love you. God, and I pray that, uh, or I know, you, I know you're the king of kings and you can be the kings of our lives if we just, if we just forfeit our lives to you and just surrender to you. And I just pray that we do these things, Lord. That when we leave the doors of this church, God, that we just recognize that tendency, that desire in our hearts for power and control, God, and how we usurp your throne. And, and it looks different in all of our lives. We go to different places, God, for kingship in our lives. And I pray that uh, we have the sense and the, the wisdom and the humility to, to own that. Lord, and, and to repent and, and to just pursue you and to submit to you, Lord. I thank you and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.